0: All right. Well uh guess when we started studying Job. Who wants to guess?
1: Years a day.
0: No, it's not quite that long. It's close. (laughs) It was August. Uh August August twenty first. So it's about seven you're not too far off eight months. So today we are halfway through uh after today, so we are on Job twenty one. Uh but turn first if you will To 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at a verse here in 2 Corinthians before we get started in Job. And, uh, we're kind of in the middle of the dialogue between Job and his three friends. And last week, we looked at, uh, Zophar. It was his last message to Job last week. And we brought up several ways that he was like, uh, he was describing the wicked as the Antichrist is called that wicked. So today is Job's response to him, and Job starts out a little bit sarcastic, and he mentions a word, uh, consolation. And so here in 2 Corinthians, we see a good description of consolation in 2 Corinthians 1. And, uh, I also I brought I gave you a quote on the top of your handout, and Jim, you'll have to help me here a little bit about exactly who Adoniram Judson was. So I've got a quote from him, and he says that in spite of sorrow, loss, and pain, our our course be onward still. We sow on Burma's barren plain, we reap on Zion's hill. So he kind of made a poem out of his. And uh, is Burma the place he was
1: uh, at? India. Burma's right next to India. Yeah, he yeah. he, okay. He lost his whole thing. Real close. Oh, really? Yeah. He went through his... Was this
0: like 1700s, you think, or 1800s?
1: 1800s, 1800s. Yeah. yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah.
0: So he lost his wife and family. Did you say, mm-hmm. like to disease or something?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. See, uh, on the ship ride over, I think.
0: Really. Ride, to disease. Wow. Yeah. It's hard to hard to think like that. And then he had to keep going and you know stay there and work with the culture and yeah Wow so he talks about you know in spite of sorrow, in spite of loss, in spite of pain, we got a, our, our course has to be onward and uh, onward still and so that that's a good backstory because job is similar and that he did lose his family, his livelihood. And uh, But anyway, uh, the Apostle Paul mentioned some things here. And I'll just read these first six verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're there, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father... And from the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them, which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And then verse 5 and 6 mentions consolation. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted it is for your consolation and salvation so uh, c- consolation has to do with being comforted uh, in in the midst of suffering but uh, job kind of uses it in a sarcastic way so let, let's go back over to job now we'll look at job 21 and this is in the wisdom books and uh, there's many wise things stated, and today there's 34 verses. Our our custom has been to attempt to go through one chapter each week. I think there's one chapter that only has like four or five verses, so we'll... Yeah, chapter 25 has got six verses, so we'll we'll probably do two chapters that day. But we'll try to get through all these today. And so, uh, uh, Matt or Marcy, do you want to read verse 1 and 2? I will. Okay.
2: But Job answered and said, Hear diligently my speech and let this be your
0: consolation. Alright, so he he's saying, Guys, listen, You know, hear, hear me diligently and let this be your consolation. And so what he's going to describe today... Because their their premise has been, Job, you must be wicked. You must have some hidden sin. Because right God is righteous, and he has to punish, you know, disobedience and unrighteousness. And so you're suffering, obviously, for as a result of your sin. And so what Job's going to describe today is he's going to describe, you know, hey, there's many wicked people, and they're prospering, and they they die in old age and, uh, and so in verse uh, 3 Pat, read verse 3 is the sarcasm here
1: he says suffer me that I may speak and after that, I have spoken. Mock on. Yes.
0: So what, what he's going to say is, I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of wicked people. You know my name, and they're doing just fine. So uh, consider that, and why aren't they suffering if you say, I'm wicked and I'm su So after I tell you my story, then you can just continue mocking me. And so I think I had you put the word consolation in your blank there. So, yeah, it's a little bit sarcastic. Now, he says uh, in verse 4, Belinda, if you would read that.
2: As for me, is my complaint to man? And if it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled?
0: Right, so he's he's saying, you know, my complaint really isn't with man; it's it's with God. But uh, his complaint is with God, and uh, but he says this thing about why shouldn't my spirit be troubled? And I don't think we necessarily want to go to all these. But I gave you well, I didn't get these verses on your handout, so you may want to write these on your handout. This uh, in Genesis forty-one we 're not going to go there uh, let 's be turned to John chapter eleven is where I want us to turn but uh, this thing about having a troubled spirit uh, it's all it 's in the Bible just a handful of times this thing about having a troubled spirit. And I think you guys will relate to it. Um, I think the troubled spirit is kind of when you're, you're questioning, you know, God, why? Why is this happening? Uh, I think maybe all of us can relate to having a troubled spirit. But, uh, in Genesis 41 is when Pharaoh had a dream of those, those, uh, seven thin cows that swallowed up the seven fat cows. And he was troubled because he didn't know what the dream meant. And in Daniel two is where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and it says his spirit is troubled. It's like they're kind of in a state of confusion, not sure what this means or why this is happening. But now, now let's look at these two John verses. Uh, do you have that, Jim? The John, 7? John seven
1: thirty three. Yeah. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled.
0: Yeah, and so that was when uh, Lazarus died. That, that's right before Jesus wept. Uh, we all know that that verse, John eleven thirty five. Um, just a second here. Because, uh, yeah, go ahead and read the other one. If you, Yeah.
1: When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me.
0: So that was at the Last Supper there. Mm-hmm. He was. So this is another way that Job and Christ are similar, isn't it? They they both had troubled spirits at times, and so Jesus was you know getting ready to go to the cross and realizing that one of his twelve would betray him, and it, it troubled his spirit that he would do that. So it's really kind of a a time to maybe stop and think. But uh, my teaching point here was just that a troubled spirit. Is not the admission of guilt uh, the source in this case was it was a result of spiritual warfare I mean job was uh, being uh, tempted by the devil <coughs> to curse god, and he he didn 't do it and uh, so his spirit was troubled not not because of guilt of sin and li- like they thought so uh, back to job twenty one and verse five, I think we'll relate to uh, Angie. Do you have that? Twenty-one five.
2: Mark me, and be astonished, and lay your hand upon your mouth.
0: And I don't know if I've ever done this, but have you ever been kind of astonished or surprised? You say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened!" And you put your you lay your hand to your mouth, like, "Oh man." Uh, so. Anyway, uh, it's kind of a little bit of a shame maybe here. I gave you a verse there from uh, Proverbs that talks about that as well. Uh, Jim, would you look that up, the Proverbs thirty thirty two. I can't remember off the top of my head what it says. But I kind of noted that it says to mark me. And we know, uh, you know, you kind of think about the mark of the beast, but... Uh, The the Lord actually seals His own. Those uh, 144,000 are sealed in their foreheads. And it says His name is written on their foreheads. So Job may be like uh, those that he's asking to be marked and for you guys to be astonished and put your hand on your mouth. But What does the
1: Proverbs 1 say? If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought
0: evil lay thine hand on thy mouth Oh, so he's telling them yeah. you guys have thought evil you, you've spoken foolishly you need to lay your hand on your mouth like oh I shouldn't have said that <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it's more like yeah. mm-hmm. and then uh, Marcy we're back to you at verse 6 what does Job 21 6 say
2: even when I remember I am afraid and trembling taketh hold on my
0: flesh <clears throat> yeah and this this trembling here um, so he, he has a, a troubled spirit and he, he's kind of trembling but it, it's really a, a righteous trembling like, like God you know why is this happening and and, uh, I gave you a reference there, we don't need to look it up, but, uh, that's where it says that, that God looks upon the, the man, uh, or woman who would tremble at His Word. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever been like... I I hope all of us has had kind of an aha moment. Like, oh, that's what that means. Or, oh, i never seen that truth. And you're just like marvels. Like, wow. And so I guess that's maybe the closest thing that uh, maybe we can relay. But sometimes it's just a trembling like, oh, man, there's really going to be a battle of Armageddon. And I mean, that there's like... I mean, all of us would be afraid of war to some degree if if it was out here in, in our community. And so just to think about the gravity and the worldwide, you know, it's it, epic proportions, they call it, right? You know, some of the things spoken about in the Bible are just really epic in their magnitude. And so it's uh Job is trembling there. <clears throat> Alright, so I already gave you your teaching point, but let's go to verse 7. Uh, Pat, if you want to read that. Right.
1: Therefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power.
0: Alright, so this this is the question. This is the question he poses to us. This is a question probably all of us have asked. Why do the wicked prosper? And I gave you what may be a little bit better question there below it is, why do they seem to prosper? And uh, most of you know I've been going through Jeff Adams' book on Job. It's about a six or 700 page book. It's a pretty thick book. And so some of the material that uh, I'm using, a lot of his comments in my uh, material... And in in this particular play I was going to read bring you his book and read it to you uh because he says you know he gives the example of the missionary and his wife that you know sell everything they have they give up their job they give up their things in America kind of like Iram Judson and they get to the mission field and they even give up their health insurance well they get to the mission field and their kid gets sick and they don't have insurance and he he paints this pretty bleak picture and then he says something like well meanwhile the guy in the the stretch limo or the fancy car that's living in the penthouse and selling drugs, and uh, some of his drugs get on the street and uh, somebody overdoses, and yet he's still living it, living the living large. Living large. And he's he's saying we all maybe struggle with, you know, why God allows that and how long will it go on. and But then he, he does bring us to this Psalm 73. So I do want us to all turn to Psalm 73. Because the psalmist here kind of goes through almost some of the uh, exact wording that Job does so psalm seventy three uh, we'll read it before we read job's next words and he he gives us uh, kind of the same Wording uh, Belinda, do you want to read 1 through 16 of Psalm 73? It's a long reading. Mm-hmm.
2: Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost on, my steps had long and nice slipped. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, the waters of the full cup are wrung out to them, and they say, How does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold... I
0: should offend against the generation of thy children, and I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Yeah, now let's let's stop right there, and we'll we'll read on in just a minute. But he he paints the same picture. Job is getting ready to. It's kind of painful to think about that. You know, they're they're covered in fatness. Their riches are increasing. They're ungodly. They they speak loftily. You know, how can we know God or? How does God know, and he lays it on pretty thick there, doesn't he? he's like me I'm trying to serve the Lord, and my feet are slipping i'm I'm being envious against the foolish and the prosperity of the wicked uh, is everybody is everybody seeing all that right and this
2: it every day, ask that
0: question every day. Yeah, and even in verse 13, verily I've cleansed my heart in veins. Like, why why am I even trying? Because I'm just spinning my wheels, and and, and I see that too. Uh, I mean, I'm there.
2: I mean, those are people that only see, like, the tiny pinpoint of God Uh huh.
0: Instead of the whole picture. Right. So this, we only see the outside. You're, you're right, Belinda. And so, uh, we only see half the picture. We, we don't know what's going on on the inside. And uh, so, read verse 17 is kind of his conclusion.
2: Until I went into the sanctuary of God
0: their end yeah that's now that's pretty good isn't it he, he went into the sanctuary of he got he he got alone with god it's like god oh now i see that their end they are going to be punished and they're they're only living it up now for a little while, whereas he got a kind of an eternal perspective, didn't he? Kind of like Solomon just thought everything under the sun was vanity, and, and it is. But uh, once we get above the sun, once we get kind of a the right worldview, the right perspective, then we realize... The last, you know, discipling somebody, ministering to others, and laying up re- eternal rewards—that's where it's at. And so that that'll keep us from complaining and grumbling and murmuring about the here and now when we uh, get a godly perspective. And so now, now go back to Job. And uh, Jim, I'll have you read. His Job says almost the same things. If you read, let's see uh, eight through fourteen.
1: Okay. Their seed is established in their sight with them, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear; neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull gendereth, and faileth not. The cow calveth, and cast not away her calf. They send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and the harp, and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth, and in a moment they go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy thy ways.
0: Yeah, so it's almost the same thing, and they're they're rich, and their kids are safe and dancing, and and yet yeah, that's,
1: that's where we live in. <laughs>
0: um. So one thing I thought was really good that uh, Jeff Adams uh, the, these next five or six things are his. Why do the wicked prosper? And and so he gives some reasons. And one reason he gives is to become God's trophies of changed lives. And, uh, I, I know Pat was at the concert and more than one of the speakers at Winter Jam, the, the, uh, We the Kingdom was kind of, Jeremy Camp and We the Kingdom were kind of the two big names in the program. And, uh, the leader of We the Kingdom, Mentioned how he had, uh, sold drugs for several years and, you know, he was probably 40 to 50 year old man at now. And, uh, and I can't remember all that he said, but, an, and another speaker gave a similar testimony. So, to me, those are trophies of God's grace. It's like you're, this wicked person—I mean, Nebuchadnezzar is the other good example I mean, from the Bible. Just he—he—he he, he took God's people captive into a foreign land, and he put them in bondage, and he destroyed, and he killed, and all these things, and yet. Uh, God turned His heart at the end there, so wicked people can, can be trophies of God's grace. That, that's that's His point. So there's one reason you know why wicked people prosper. Just uh, sometimes the most wicked people can become the most zealous uh, for the Lord because they're trying to redeem the time.
1: Yeah, we have a lot
0: of those here. Sure, like Chain Watts. And yeah, James. I mean, love it. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. We've got people that have been imprisoned and you know done some dark things, and uh, and yet here here we sat in our right mind and striving to serve the Lord. Uh, <coughs> And then the second thing he says is to accumulate riches for us, and uh, it, it said that in uh, Job here, but it also says it in uh, the proverb verse. So in the millennium, when we are ruling and reigning with Christ, we are the beneficiaries of the wicked people because after they're gone, they they don't uh, need their wealth. And then, uh, to show the long, that God is long suffering. And so I, I do think of that, that, that right there. Can anybody quote the 2nd Peter 3 9? first verse? Uh, for God is not slack. Concerning, his Concerning slackness.
2: Concerning his no. long suffering to us, Lord. Not
0: really yep but his long suffering to us were not willing that they should perish
1: yeah
0: so the Lord is not slack concerning or, his concerning his promise as some men count slackness but, as, but so this is the cool part that I never seen when I was remember but he 's long suffering to usward yeah to me that 's a weird thing. I think of you know people that are uh, You know, like it's saying, he's wicked. But God is long-suffering to us work because he wants us to be like him so that we can show... You know, others, You know, we've repented. You need to repent and come to the Lord because He's not willing that any should perish. So so I do think of that. I think, you know, when I see wickedness going on, it's like, God, how long are, are we going to be long-suffering toward this person or this issue or this situation? So we, I do ask that question. And, and then... uh the next one I gave you for a spectacular overthrow, and so God sets sets him up, and so the word I had you put in your blank is Pharaoh, because that's what we're studying in the main service, and that's what happens in Egypt is, you know. God sends Moses to bring the people out and, and Pharaoh's not going to let him go. And so here's this wicked king with this wicked empire and and at some point, you know, God does bring His people out and He destroys the armies of Pharaoh and it's pretty spectacular what happens. And if, if you've ever watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, you, you get the gist of the, the story. And then... Uh, He says that another reason that God allows the wicked to prosper is to be a testimony of God's righteousness at the judgment. So, uh, you know, at the judgment... God will be able to say, you know, sir, ma'am. You know, it's kind of like the rich man and Lazarus, or no, the rich man and the beggar. Was it? It's not Lazarus, was it? It is Lazarus. Yeah. Okay. I got confused on my stories, but so maybe it's like that because you know the rich man's in hell and he's kind of arguing with Abraham. You know, you know. Can you just send Lazarus to dip? So, I mean, God is righteous, and the righteous have opportunities to come to the Lord, and they they reject Him for whatever reason. So anyway, uh, and then, then verse fifteen, uh, Angie, I'll have you read twenty one fifteen, if you would.
2: What is the Almighty that we should serve Him, and what profit should we have if we pray unto Him?
0: So this is kind of what the wicked say. Notice it doesn't say, who is the Almighty? It's like, what is the Almighty? So my little teaching point there was, this is the second question reveals their motive. They're they're religious, but they don't have a relationship. They're asking, what is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And uh, what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? So anyway... Uh, that the first question is why do the wicked prosper, and the second question is, you know, what what is the Almighty that we should serve Him, and because uh, you know the children of Israel. When they came up out of Egypt and Moses stayed too long on Mount Sinai, remember they made him a golden calf. So they begin to worship a what, an object instead of a who, you know, Jehovah God. So anyway, that was any any thoughts or questions there before we go to your back page of your handout. We've got uh, a few more verses to go here. In verse 16, Job kind of gives a, a little bit of a disclaimer. He says, "Lo, their good is not in their hand; the counsel of the wicked is far from me." So he he's saying that you guys think I'm wicked, but wickedness is really far from me, and I I don't take their counsel. So he's he's just kind of saying, guys. Uh, If I was suffering because I am wicked, then uh, why are the wicked prospering? And and they're going to die in old age and their kids are happy. and We we all know people like that. So he's letting them know that uh, he's not wicked. He don't take their counsel. And then uh, verse 17, uh, back to you Marcy if you don't mind. How oft
2: is the candle of the wicked put out? and how oft cometh their destruction upon them. God distributeth sorrows into his anger.
0: Alright, now I gave you... I think I've got a picture here, if I can find it. There. Have you guys ever seen one of these?
1: Oh yeah, the candle snuffers?
0: Yeah. Uh, So this is pretty... You might see it at at weddings. Mm -hmm. Kind of one, one end of it, you light the candle, and the other one you snuff it out and uh so he he's likening uh, life to that and uh, uh let me give you a verse from proverbs turn turn to proverbs cuz i, I kind of always i always stop and really meditate on this when i read this from uh, proverbs 20 and 27 job psalms proverbs 20 Because uh, the word snuff dishes is in our Bible a handful of times, like from the the golden candlestick. So 2027, uh, Marcy. The
2: spirit of man is the, is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the God.
0: Yeah, so to me, I stopped I think... So the spirit... Of man is the candle of the Lord. So you, you think of this candle of the Lord, you know, kind of illuminating the inward parts of your belly, and I don't know. I just I think about that a lot. It's like, wow, God is kind of pondering and looking at every area of my life, and um, but then, uh, so this this verse talks about the wicked being their their candle being put out, and. Uh, it, it was several years ago. There was a, a movie came out. Uh, it was just called Snuff. And do you, does anybody know what a? Oh, yeah. You probably know what a snuff film is, or heard what
1: it? Oh, oh yeah, the death film Yeah. Yeah.
0: The death film They kill people. Yeah. So. And they video. In true life. Yeah. It's yeah. It, now.
2: That's a true based on a true story.
0: I I heard that the vid, you know, that the movie Snuff or whatever, but anyway. Oh, I don't know. People have made videos of homicides, basically. I think, of someone getting killed, and it's not just. Uh, I mean, there's lots of
1: like all the beheadings that go on. That stuff's all online.
0: Yeah, but it, it kind of comes from this that their life is being snuffed out. The, the candle's going out, and I, I I think of that of these two verses: the Job, the candle of the wicked being put out, and and here it says that the candle or the spirit. of Man is the candle of the Lord and so anyway this is just kinda I want to give you that graphic. Uh yeah.
2: This is searching all of the inward parts of the belly. So you may think you have something hidden or uh uh-huh. guys so searching all of it so
0: I think. I think that's exactly what it's saying. It's a little bit of a yeah.
1: Well, I'm gonna say, let's, let's give it. Uh, next to that verse, I have September 1st, 2013. You, you taught on this verse. That was the morning we lost power and, uh, you changed your message and you went to that verse. Oh, really? A little message on that verse. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> you just went with it. I do remember the light going out here. Yeah. You, you uh, you had to open the doors. We had candles. You preached the ADF. Oh, that's gosh, that's, that's during the light walkers. Yeah oh my yeah. goodness september of 2013.
0: Oh, that's great yeah thank, thank you. you I remember it did, yeah we we didn't have any electricity yeah, that morning we lost
1: power that morning up for church huh I teaching yeah, it went with it. I thought that was so cool that you probably abandoned what you had planned huh. and just went there
0: that's huh well praise the lord well uh all right back to job uh twenty one uh, who, who's got that? GM twenty one uh, eighteen.
1: Twenty one eighteen. They are as stubble before the wind, and as chaff that the storm carried away.
0: So now it's comparing this wicked to stubble and chaff, and you know we we know in First Corinthians three, it talks about uh, that we are to take heed what we build thereon, either the gold. Uh, silver and precious stone or wood, hay, and stubble, knowing that, uh, when it goes through the fire, that the gold and silver and precious stone will be purified, but the wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up, and that, that is, uh, Job is saying, hey guys, there's a storm coming and the wicked are going to be like this stubble and chaff and whether it be fire or the wind, it's going to be blown away because they're not building their house on the rock. They're building it on the sands of time. And. Uh, is that Matthew? Yeah, that Matthew 3.11 is where... Jesus, uh, John the Baptist says, "In fact, uh, if you want to read it, Belinda, I don't have enough hands." 3, yeah, it's going to be burned with unquenchable fire.
2: Indeed, baptize you with water and to repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes are not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost.
0: Uh, read the next one, or.
2: His hand is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire.
0: Yeah, so this chaff we burn with unquenchable. So that's a reference to those uh, in hell. Uh, the chaff will burn in unquenchable fire. Alright, so back to Job uh, twenty one, we'll look at nineteen and twenty. Uh who who's turned Pat? Nineteen and twenty. Okay. It says God layeth up his iniquity for his children. Hmm. I, I think that's a reference to laying up iniquity for the wicked's children. Oh that's okay. what I think oh, for it for his children. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kinda of get me funny. Um, he rewardeth him, and he shall know it. His eyes shall see his destruction, and he shall drink of the
1: wrath of the Almighty.
0: Now, in in this in this passage uh, in Jeff Adams' book, he mentions that you know if you ever watch. You know, uh, whether it was, you know, Die Hard or, you know, Sylvester Stallone movies, at the end, it, it's usually, you know, the bad guys face off and, and you get, you know, the bad guys dominated the whole show and killed people and burned up buildings and now he's going to get his and you kind of want to see the bad guy suffer for a little while and, and Jeff Adam mentioned it and says that he, his eyes shall see his destruction. It's like you get to watch him die this slow death. The the enemy gets his, you know, and you know it looks like. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's that? We were cleaning Uncle Dan's house yesterday, and we, yeah, in Cobra. Oh, yeah. oh. 19,
2: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, That was a good one. Hey, guy
2: with the the hook
1: and hung him in yeah. the fire. I was like, yeah, yeah, we love Benji. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but in the Bible it says that
0: one shall cause ten thousand to flee,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: ten shall cause. Yeah, I forget. Victory yeah. That. It's a do have the victory. Huh. That's good. Yeah. Well, anyway, God lays up this iniquity for the wicked, and, and they, they see their destruction, and uh, so Job talks about this. And then in verse uh, 21, uh, I'll read that. It says, For what pleasure hath he in his house after him, when the number of his months is cut off in the midst? And so I, I had you put just that word in your blank, the midst. It's like in the middle. Uh, not, not mist like a water mist, but like in the middle... It talks about these months and I gave you a couple of references here. Just the two witnesses, they prophesy for 42 months. The beast is given power to continue blasphemies for 42 months. But uh, this... In Daniel 9, the the prince that shall come, he makes a covenant with many for one week, and it, it says that he breaks his covenant in the midst of the week. So that, that little word, midst, is in uh, Daniel uh, 9, 24-27. Uh, I don't think we'll go there now just for sake of time, but anyway, I think... Some of what Job is saying is a reference to uh, the Antichrist, and and I know Matt, and Marcy weren't here, but uh, several times in the Book of Job, it it mentions the wicked. And uh, my, my teaching point here is that Job's prophecy is true of the wicked Antichrist, but also true of the wicked in general. Just uh, this is going to be the case of. People that uh, are wicked, that are lost, as well as uh, that wicked that's in Second uh, Thessalonians two eight, I believe he's called that wicked when that wicked is revealed. Uh, Which is the son of perdition. It's a reference directly to the Antichrist. So, anyway, some of the things we see in Job uh, reference the Antichrist, and some are just true of the wicked uh, people in general through the ages. Then we get to this last section here, and uh, Job is going to mention several things that are common with uh, kind of the wicked and the good. So uh, 23 through 26, uh, Belinda, if you would.
2: One dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dieth in the bitterness of his soul, and never eateth with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worms shall cover them.
0: So, I mean, I think that's in the book of John where it says that God makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Job is is pointing out these commonalities, uh, whether you be wicked or righteous. But uh, a lot of what he's talking about is just true uh, physically, right? Physically. It's what I had you put in your blank. The righteous and the wicked die in a similar fashion physically. And that last verse you read, Melinda, about uh, the worms shall cover them. Turn back just one page to Job 19. We, uh, we've seen in Job 19 24 through 27. Let me read those for you 19 24 of Job that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and though after the... My skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. And so he mentions worms are going to consume his flesh, but, uh, or his skin, but he's going to be resurrected. So this is Job's hope. This is the hope of believers through the ages, is that... Uh, we will uh, live and we will see Christ in our glorified bodies. And so even though... Uh, and honestly, I, I thought about this. Uh, and and I, I actually prayed about this. You guys are going you know, to think I'm silly, but do you know Billy Graham and and Hugh Hefner were about the same age. And when they were both in late a i'm I'm just praying God, let let Billy Graham live longer than hugh hefner and uh and he did by by one year Hugh Hefner I looked it up, died in two thousand and seventeen, and I just thought of you know the wickedness and how many uh, young boys and, and and ladies you know lives have been affected by that wicked man and uh and Billy Graham lived just a year longer. He died in 2018 and just all the good and and you, you won't hear this in the news, but you know, I think it was last week, Franklin Graham had a crusade in Mexico and I think close to 10,000 people, it was either 2,000 or 10,000 people came forward at Franklin Graham's crusade in Mexico. They got saved last week. I thought, Wow. You know, his legacy is living on. I, I don't know the state of Playboy right now, but, you know, it, that and some of the Hustler magazines, some of those were the start of just great wickedness in our country. And So anyway, uh, but yet, Hugh Hefner died in his 90s, right? Why didn't God cut him down in his 20s before all that? You know, I don't know. I guess for the reasons we're talking about today.
2: Wasn't there a time
0: when Billy was praying for his son to get saved and his son was not? Yes. Yep. He he wrote a book about that. Franklin did. Something about Re- rebel. A rebel with a cause or something. I think he, I think he, Franklin Graham, wrote that book. And Of course, he, he leads Samaritan's Purse where all of our Christmas boxes go at Christmas time. So that's his kind of charity. Yeah,
1: he's coming into it.
0: But yeah, so last week Franklin got to lead several thousand to Christ. So a lot of a lot of good good continuing there. Uh, verse 27, 28. Uh, GM, back to Job 21. 27, 28.
1: Behold, I know your thoughts and the devices which you wrongfully imagine against me. When you say, "Where is the house of the prince? And where are the dwelling places of the wicked?"
0: So he he says that they're wrongfully accusing him. Uh, he's, Job is saying to his friends, not not just so far that. I know your thoughts and the devices which you wrongfully... Ima- you know, you guys are wrong about this. And basically he's saying, uh, if wicked people can and do prosper, why why aren't I prospering? Why am I suffering? And so that, that is his rebuttal. And then in uh, 29 and 30, uh, Angie...
2: Have ye not asked them that go by the way, and do ye not know their tokens? That the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction; they shall be brought forth to the day of wrath.
0: So the, the, he kind of concludes, like the psalmist, you know, he he went into the sanctuary and considered their end, and and Job is saying that the wicked they are reserved to a time of, of judgment, and they will get theirs and that may be a reference to the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennium Uh, and I gave you several verses there Um, I don't think we'll necessarily go there but uh, yeah that that 2nd Peter I mean Uh, where am I at? Yeah, up here. Can you see that, Matt, where you're at? Can you see those verses? Barely? I'll make them a little bigger. Where it says reserved. Yeah. So that, that, those, all those verses actually use the word reserved, that they are, uh, that those that, uh, were disobedient during the time of Noah. It says that they're reserved unto punishment against the day of judgment, and they left their first estate. And so we don't necessarily need to go there, but anyway, I just looked up that word reserved, and there's places where there are uh, certain wicked entities that are reserved for judgment. To teach
2: us
0: the lessons to stay. Uh huh. Amen. Yeah, yeah. We don't rejoice that that happens, but uh, but yeah. That's one thing I read or I I listened to a sermon yesterday, and it said that uh, the one thing that the thing cuz it was it was kind of talking about the asbury revival that went on the last few weeks and just he's he was talking about kind of the you know if if it was truly a holy spirit you know revival then you know the Spirit has come to reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And he said, uh, "There's the one commonality about revival when people are really looking forward to the coming of the Lord." It says in First John that, that they purify themselves, even as He is pure. So if we are, if we really do think that the Lord is coming any minute, and He could be. That we should be purifying ourselves was his point. I I just thought that was...
2: When a bride gets ready for marriage, she gets it
1: together. (laughs) She gets it together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how does he purify
0: us? How does he purify us? Yeah, with his washing in the water. The water. Yeah, there you go. So it all, the revival, if it doesn't have the Word, like an Asbury, I mean, they don't even huh. add nothing around the Word. It's just all singing and emotion. Yeah. And I didn't look at that very much, it's but I like that that you sent me. That was perfect. Because yeah. I'm looking at that. Yeah, you and I. He just lays it all. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's perfect. Yeah, and so I mean, we'll I guess we'll see if hopefully some of the young folks.
2: parable of the seed and the sower. Uh huh.
0: Falling on stony ground. Uh huh. All right, thirty-one and thirty-two, uh, Job twenty-one. Back to you, Marcy. Who shall
2: declare his way to his to his face, and who shall repay him what he has done? yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain
0: in the tomb. Yes, yeah, so I just put there that Job's friends will not oversee the judgment because it says who's, who's going to declare his way to his face? Well, it's not you guys, but you're not going to repay what the wicked have done. And then uh, 33, uh, Pat. The
1: clods of the valley shall be sweet unto him, and every man shall go after him.
0: Yeah, and now what I put here was just. It says that, I mean, the clods of the valley, that, that's kind of a low place, and they're going to be. And then it says, every man shall draw after him uh, as there are innumerable before him. And. You know that to be true as well as I do, that it's usually sinful things that kind of draw us by nature. We're just drawn to that. And so we have to kind of strive and war against, you know, the lust of our flesh. And so people are drawn to the wicked by nature. And then, verse uh, 34, uh, Belinda, why don't you finish us up there?
2: How then comfort ye me in vain? And your answers there remaineth
0: falsehood. So they're they're comforting him in vain. And I put there, Job's friends got the wrong answers because they started uh, they had the wrong starting point or premise. They based they were based on the fact that many wicked prosper in this life, and you can see that you sought to cover me in vain and that your arguments are false and so that that's in in their answer so they're not very good comforters and so kind of what I put here at the end in your your last uh, teaching point is that uh, judgment will come without respect of persons. It will be righteous and based on the written Word of God and it's going to be conducted by the living Word of God. So just written and living is what I had you put in your blanks. And so that's what you were saying, Pat, uh, just... That, that revival was a little bit void of the Word of God. <clears throat> but, so that, that's kind of Job's conclusion. You know, you guys have been comforting me in vain. You're miserable counselors or miserable comforters. And that there's falsehood in your answers. What, what you've been telling me is not how it is. So I, I think that was all I had today. Is there any other thoughts or questions? There's, Anything going on online, Jim?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, you just answered. Uh, Brian Barrett had asked. Uh, I, don't he, I don't know if he's being sarcastic or serious, but you know, um, uh, these words that his friends are telling Joe you know, we say they're false, but yet they're in our Bible and they're an example of Scripture. Yeah. But like you just said, they weren't being applied correctly. Yeah. The false beginning.
0: Yeah. We we have a... It's not really one of our primary rules of Bible study, but here, here's how it goes. That uh God doesn't... Validate everything he chronicles. So, everything that is being said to Job is true, maybe in general, about the wicked, but not specifically true about him. so, yeah. So that's that's a good question, Brian. So God doesn't. I think maybe it's God doesn't vindicate everything He chronicles. So there's several things said in the Bible that God doesn't necessarily. I mean, they're true, but uh, doesn't necessarily apply uh, how it, how it is written.
1: Yeah,
2: that's good. The foolishness of God the
0: uh-huh uh-huh yeah well let's hold up there and uh Matt and Marcy glad you're here come again anytime we're halfway through hopefully hopefully it's encouraging to you to hear the word of God this morning and be in our class and hopefully Matt can be here and help next week or two weeks at the work day. No, it's the 18th. I'm sorry. So it
2: might be
0: nice. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully so.
2: Dottie's having another surgery coming up in April.
0: Oh, okay. Darn. Well,.